Well, the recording breaks over. We are back in business. Welcome back to another episode of Insight Pints, the show where we take members of Alberta's political world, have a quick drink with them, talk shop, talk politics, and see what's going on. And we are, after a long break from Calgary, we are going back down the QE2, and we're going back to the mayoral race down there. So I figured, let's just bring her right in. We are going to go with uh, one of the newest candidates, Jan Demery. How are you doing today? I am great, Aaron. Great to meet you. And you actually said my last name correctly. <laughs> you so know what? Good on I, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to confess, I had to watch a couple of videos of yours to make sure because I kept saying it how I'm sure you always get it. So I wanted to make sure I got it right. So yeah, I'm well, I appreciate right. that. Thank you. I, I answer to anything. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So before we get into anything else, I guess, tell me, what are we uh, drinking today? We are drinking uh, the Jenkins Grapefruit Ale from Martelup Brewery, which is just down the street from me. I love this beer. It's refreshing, right? Nice warm day. Fits summer and well. I uh, actually, uh, they actually serve it with a wedge of orange. Oh, okay. Just really kind of makes it pop. Perfect. Well, you know what? I, I should have known that before I came on. I would have had one ready, but that's okay. I got it. I've already got it. Uh, Poured in my glass here, so wow, you know. that was on me. I should have let you know. Ah, <laughs> eh, that's all right. I'll forgive you this time. <laughs> all right. Well, with no further ado, I'll give you a quick cheers. Thanks for uh, yeah. coming on. And I and I'm people are gonna actually. I didn't do this very well because I. Um, <laughs> never gonna go like that. Cheers. Cheers. That's not bad. I'm not normally a uh, grapefruit a fan, but that's really light. It. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's not overly sweet at all either, which is fantastic. Yeah. No, it's very refreshing on a hot day. Yeah. And the orange, I think would have helped a little bit. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So no, next time. <laughs> Sounds so, And I love that we're promoting, you know, sort of local beverages for me, uh, just uh, amazing to watch this craft brewery industry take off in this province. Yeah, it's amazing. I know uh, in Edmonton, they just recently announced uh, there's a collaboration on 99th Street for something they're calling Happy Beer Street. It's a bunch of uh, different breweries. They've got Alley Cat, um, Sea Change. Uh, they're kind of working together to kind of make it like a craft brewery district here in Edmonton. So awesome. I'm sure I'm sure it's not far away for Calgary. You have well, it's already happening, right? We've all, we've got these clusters yeah, yeah. of breweries and you know some really funky neighborhoods. And, you know, and it's, you know, I know we'll get into this, but it's something that I really want to animate when I get to be mayor of this amazing city uh, is, is sort of local economy and local neighborhood and bring back the cool to Calgary and the vibrancy. Well, perhaps you've kind of already alluded to my first question. So given your background, you obviously come from a massive economic side of things. You have a master's degree in economics. So you have a unique perspective with this. So kind of what I wanted to start off with was, just kind of at a high level view, what was your thought about how Calgary, Alberta's biggest city needs to be looking at getting out of this uh, recession we have and getting back to uh, pre-pandemic prosperity? Yeah, it needs to be looking forward and not backwards. Yes. Um, so out of the gate, I'll say that. Uh, we have all of what we need here to move forward. Um, we talk and have talked a lot in this province, particularly the city about diversifying our economy. It actually is happening. We don't shine the light on it. We tend to go back to oil and gas and kind of buy into this boom bust cycle. Um, and I've had the privilege of working in the tech sector, actually as a volunteer the last four years, uh, coaching startup uh, CEOs who are starting to scale their businesses. And you're hearing all these amazing stories. It's how do we really shine the light? And it's all of it. It's not one or the other or one industry replaces another. And I think the gift for me too in COVID is recognizing, I think we're all looking at this differently, 
how important local economy is and that we support our local businesses. Yes. In terms of right food, beverages, <laughs> shops. Um, that's where the vibrancy and the coolness comes from as well, creating very vibrant street, uh, streetscapes. And that we have places in all of our neighborhoods where we want to come together, congregate, which also connects us. So um, I think economy also really leads us on the social front as well. Um, I've worked many years in the not-for-profit so uh, sector. I go in and out of for-profit, uh, profit, um, but working both locally and overseas. Uh, and something that always struck me, particularly in developing countries, and particularly populations really struggling, females often in a lot of these developing countries, if a woman had economic independence, she was less likely to be exploited and there was opportunity. And I think we have a unique opportunity to rebuild this economy uh, better where we're including everyone in recovery. And I don't think we've had our lens on that. Uh, even when things were in the good times, I, you know, do the air quotes. So for me, I'm being really galvanized both because of that economic lens um, and also just my real belief in people and what we can create. Uh, and we already are recognized um, outside of this city and this province as one of the best places in the world to live. I think we have to start to believe it ourselves and have to act like it. And I want to be the leader that is the catalyst for that. Well, and the one thing I kind of cued in on as well, you're mentioning uh, women's involvement in the economic recovery. And I'm, I'm not sure if you saw, you probably did, but today they made the announcement for Alberta regarding the new childcare agreement with the federal government, but it falls short of what the federal government wanted to do, which is eventually leading to $10 a day daycare. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that's going to be a huge impact on the ability to recover simply because the cost of childcare, regardless where you go is very high. But if Alberta doesn't have the same deal as every other province does, that yeah. sort of hurts our economic or our competitive advantage as well. It, it does. And I know, um, you know, having seen those details, it's something I worked very uh, hugely on that file when I was at uh, YWCA Calgary, I'm just on a unpaid leave of absence from there but always viewed childcare as a huge economic lever, right? We've got almost 200,000 women that have left the workforce in this province. And it's because they're taking childcare duties, right? Beyond also elder care yes, and, and the economics of this. And it is something we have to get our heads around. So I would say we've not heard the last on this issue, but we will need to do better also because of the competitive aspect that you've just described. If we want to be this place where we're attracting workplaces and we want to scale our businesses we've got to get women back in the workforce because there's nothing that makes me crazier than leaving economic potential on the table well and ultimately at the end of the day the more money people have in their pockets the more money they can put right back into the economy especially post-pandemic it's going to be local like we've kind of been talking about already so i think that i think that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. um kind of going back a little bit so let's take a little bit of a step back so Obviously, like I said before, you come from a very diverse background. You obviously have worked a lot with the YWCA. You worked with the province for the Department of Energy. Uh, you're a managing director with the Trans Canada. You have that master's in economics. You've got a pretty wide ranging background. So with everything that you have in your back pocket, why was now the time that you want to uh, take the run in municipal politics? Um, I think all of these experiences have led me to this moment. Uh, I did have a conversation with a dear friend just before COVID hit, starting to think maybe politics was the next phase. And I, I, I've been known to tell the story in the last little while that my grandfather dream was that I would get into politics. He actually hoped I'd be the prime minister one day. 
Um, however, I think I've come to realize how important municipal politics is in, in impacting the people. You have the most direct impact on people and people's lives. Yeah. Uh, and that there's an opportunity. And the opportunity presented itself just came off a major uh, legacy project at YWCA Calgary that I helped deliver with an amazing group of uh, both volunteers and an executive team that has been second to none in my career. And as you pointed out, I've had many, I've worked in many organizations. Um, and we had, built, we had built the new home for YWCA over at Inglewood at the end of 2019. So it was naturally time to start to look around what's next. Uh, COVID hit, but um, again, the conversation came up again last fall and started to really sort of examine. And it is because I see opportunity uh, in complex times and uncertain times. I think there's a huge appetite for change and to do things differently. So I believe I'm the leader with the fresh perspective, but also to your point, Aaron, the skills and the competence to drive us forward. So I felt, almost felt that kind of proverbial tap on the shoulder. It's time and you can make a difference, meaning me. Fair enough. Well, and I had an opportunity to look at your platform, obviously take a look at your website. You had a lot there. Um, the one thing I kind of zoned in on a little bit was your idea around the Calgary Opportunity District. So just a really quick overview for anybody who might not be familiar with it yet. So uh, the plan essentially is to use the community revitalization levy, which is a provincial program where you are able to borrow against future property tax revenues in the interest of supporting development in a specific region. And there's a few areas that have it. Edmonton has the most, there's one, I believe in Cochrane. Calgary has one in the, uh, I'm just trying to remember the Rivers District. That's what it is. Yeah. Or East and, Village that most people know it by. Yes. 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 So I guess for you with obviously downtown uh, development and vacancy rates, all of these things are major issues for the city of Calgary right now. So I guess when you're sort of building your platform, why was this the direction you wanted to go for our downtown revitalization? Yeah. So it's a way to fund that kind of startup capital to get the change. There's lots of plans in the works, but no one's actually figured out yet how to fund it without increasing taxes. And when you have a city and particularly businesses in this city that are really struggling, that's just a, a non-starter. Uh, but we know that we've got a kickstart development. And so the Community Revitalization Levy, or CRL, is in a unique financial mechanism, um, as you said, that you can borrow against future appreciation and property taxes. And you actually are able to kind of lock that into a region that you identify. Um, so this is a way to have the capital now that actually by investing generates economy, which of course drives those increases in property values over time. Um, but it's about making downtown a neighborhood. I'm sure you've been in and out of downtown Calgary. Yep. I'd be surprised if you were ever down there past 4 p.m. on any given day. It was designed <laughs> for fast entry and fast exit of workers, mostly by vehicle. We do not have a vibrant streetscape. And, and we have in fact one walkable street downtown, which is essentially Stephen Avenue Mall that leads to Olympic Square. So uh, when we put the plus 15s in back in the seventies, we killed Main Street downtown. A reason to pull people together, bars, restaurants, entertainment. We realized we have to revitalize. And so this CLR is a way to actually revitalize that quicker and to also show that we're gonna take action quicker. I'm all about action. Plans are great, but you've got to actually act on them. And so I want to drive and make sure we've got the resources to kickstart this activity, that we become the place globally um, that you know, Calgary is recognized, right, as the place to live, learn, work and play, as I say in the platform. That means, though, it's a neighborhood 24-7 that is supplying its own local businesses. 
and supporting our local businesses. So, I mean, obviously that's going to be a huge priority because we've seen what, I think there's a report that actually just came down today talking about the vacancy rates and everything else going on. And obviously any major city, a big thing is like you've already alluded to is keeping people downtown because that is kind of meant to be the hub for everybody in the city to be able to go to. Well, what draws people together? Yeah, hundred percent. So I guess the one thing on the business lens side of things for people who may not be very familiar with the CRL is what risk is there that taxes will go up for the people within that region? Like if you're working and living within the downtown zone, is there a risk that your taxes are going to up, go up just by virtue of where you live? It, um, I mean, I think potentially we, we've modeled it out and we haven't seen it because what you're doing is sort of taking some of those, those, those taxes and you're actually taking them off. And so you can also recalibrate. Right, Something right. else that I'm not, you're not seeing in the platform yet, Aaron, is we've also got to look at the fairness of our property tax system. Because we have had, because of the hollowing out of downtown, we've disproportionately impacted local businesses outside. Mm-hmm. And, and my view is you can't tax behavior that you want. <laughs> you tax behavior that you don't want. <laughs> that is a quote if I've ever heard one. That's good, actually. <laughs> right? so, so we want to ensure that we're also, and that's going to take some time as well. That's why I'm committing to two years, to be, or two years, two terms to be mayor. <laughs> It's going to take some time to work with it because it's, it's provincial legislation. But we've right, also right. got to ensure there's fairness and that the city has actually other mechanisms to ensure that we're not disincentivizing, right? The kinds of activity that we need. Because yeah, the last thing you want is people to be afraid that their, their property taxes are going up and they move out of the core while you're trying to revitalize it. So exactly. we've got to fix that out of the gate. And, and, we, and you can see that. That's you know, obviously an, an unintended consequence we do not want. But you don't say, oh my God, I didn't think that was going to happen. Of course, we've got to look at that. Well, and it's actually really interesting too. you brought up the plus 15, because I know for myself, whenever I've had to go down to Calgary for business, I love that. But at the same time, I don't live there. So I've never really thought about that as driving people away. But when you put it that way, it actually makes quite a bit of sense. I mean, it's a great perk to have in the middle of winter, but I mean, you still got to be able to have people staying downtown. Yeah. The one thing feeling safe on the streets, because I think this is another thing in dimension and maybe because you know, uniquely, and you know, I'm a female running to be mayor. That's, that's, a, that's kind of an unusual thing in Calgary as well. But we also are one of, um, you know, we are, we are a city in, in, in Canada that is not safe for women. I mean, we've got women walking around the street, particularly racialized women, with bear spray because they are afraid. Part of that is we have many empty streets and people do not feel safe on the streets. What I know to be true from all the travels I've done all over the world and my, some of my favorite places you feel safety in numbers. So you need places where people publicly congregate, all people. And so this is also what we've got to drive is I call it the public realm. And despite the wealth in this city, we've not invested a lot in the public realm. I would say actually Evandon has done a better job than we have. <sighs> yeah, and that is, there's been so much in terms of the hate motivated attacks that have been happening all over the province, Calgary, Edmonton, you name it, we've been seeing so much of it. And I haven't quite figured out what to make of that announcement or the letter that Minister Madhu had sent off to the federal government saying that they want to have, uh, bear, not bear spray, sorry, pepper spray uh, decriminalized as a weapon. I'm thinking, well, oh, ludicrous. I don't I think that's the way to go. Aaron. I'm calling it. Actually, I, I did a tweet today. It's ludicrous. Right? It, it just doesn't. It's one of those things, too. I mean, we could get into this forever, but you legalize it for one, you legalize it for all. Yeah. We need to get weapons off the street. 
to make them safe. We need to actually have reasons for people to come together. They can't be afraid. I think we have to realize that fear breeds when people are uncertain, right? When they don't have any hope, when they feel that they've been under tremendous stress and we all have, I think this is something that does actually unite us coming out of COVID. Yeah. I think we're seeing lots of this fear-based behavior. Uh, it's, and, and in some cases it's getting really amped up. We've got to stop it and understand that we are okay. We actually have a future. This is why leadership is so important at this time for our city, because you need a positive leader who can pull people together and see the beauty, the diversity and the cosmopolitan nature of doing that. And again, I've worked in some amazing places around the world, some quite dangerous, but you feel safety in numbers and when you feel that you belong. When you are in relationship with people, it's very hard to other the people. This is the work we have to do as citizens in our city now. And the one thing I've kind of been able to observe from kind of like an outsider perspective in Calgary politics is you sort of look at city council and there's quite a bit of division even there, regardless of whatever ward you're coming from. So I guess for someone like yourself, that's coming in, not as well as a quote unquote rookie, just having not been on council. Yeah. What are you seeing about that? Because I, maybe I'm just alone in seeing this. Yeah. I'm and part of, I'm, I call myself the outsider insider because I've definitely dedicated myself to public service and um, I have an excellent track record of chairing board meetings and understanding governance, which I think is actually what's missing at city council right now. I think they've gotten into a very bad pattern of just grandstanding and fighting each other to prove their point. After all, we have three councillors who are running for mayor. And I would argue they've been running for mayor almost from the get-go. They're only first-time councillors. So where is the leadership to pull that team together to work in the interests of the city and the people of Calgary? This is actually the main reason I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I've had to learn over the course of my career. I have been the only woman many times around the boardroom table. I've learned how to lead through influence because even when I've had the status of the position, I have not actually been able to use that status, right? I've had to lead and bring people on. I know how to do it. I know the work that it requires, the conversation one-on-one -on -one, to knit together a common vision that you can pull people together. To me, this is the mayor, the work of mayor, because a mayor has one vote on council. Yes. Um, not the boss. And I think a lot of people misunderstand this about the role. So you need someone who really understands leading in com complex organizations, multi-stakeholders, uh, and how they can actually lead through influence. And this is the skill set I have. Uh, and I'm not seeing that skill set in any of the other contenders, whether inside or outside. I, again, back to that proverbial tap on the shoulder, I'm being called because I have the right skill to lead this. And this is why I'm throwing my hat in the ring now. Forgive me if it wasn't you who said this. I thought it might've been, but was that you who said that city council should be run more like an board, of, like a board of directors, so to speak, where you have the chair and vice chair and all that? Yeah. I mean, you have to be, you have to be careful when you think about, right? It's a different yes. governance structure in terms of city, but the intention is the same. Understanding the role of the chair of yes. the board the chairs, the chair is a facilitator of all those like board members or voices. So think of them as counselors. They have equal vote. So the role of the chair is to pull that together. Um, and so there is that aspect of this job that I think, again, um, this, is the, this is the skill we need now going forward. Okay. Well, let's go back to uh, Calgarians a little bit because we've had a, honestly, that was a fantastic sidebar. I really enjoyed that. But the one thing I want to get to a little bit is in your plan, you talk about 
trying to create 80,000 new jobs for Calgarians by the end of the decade, which is obviously a huge undertaking, but it's something that the city needs because right now the, or as of June, I guess I should say it was a 9.2% unemployment rate in the city of Calgary. And looking at your platform, about 4,000 of those jobs would be coming from the green sector. So I guess just in general, where obviously not all the 76,000 others would be the same sector, but what were your thoughts on that? No, and they're coming. So this is, again, focusing, I think people are listening to Calgarians, I've been talking to them over the course of the, you know, this campaign so far, worried about economy, worried about high paying jobs, worried about diversifying economy, and will I actually get a high paying job? And so it's how do we activate and amplify a lot of these startups, help them scale? That's where jobs come from. The tech sector itself is identifying, right? Thousands of jobs that kind of make, meets that. I'm actually hoping the 80,000 80, is a bit of the tip of the iceberg once we sort of unleash. We have a lot of rules that get in the way of local business doing business. We regulate business in the city by land use. We've got to really look at that. So it's easier for businesses to pivot and adapt when market situations change. Um, and what I mean by that, an example, if you have a current restaurant and you want to expand it beyond 810 square feet, you have to go to council to get a change in land use. That introduces a whole bunch of uncertainty because council could, right? Not approve. It could get political. Uh, it could, who, who knows how long it's going to take? Time and waste and uncertainty kills business. They won't, they won't even try it. So we've got to get rid of those kinds of rules. And there's lots of them on the book. So I'm committed to that that frees up this entrepreneurial sector that also focuses on the economic immigrant and newcomer in our city. A lot of people don't realize that 60% of our population are new immigrants and they are entrepreneur by spirit. And how do we allow them to get their foothold, get the barriers out of the way so they can start their businesses? Back to us, really supporting local business. Uh, citing and working with our post-secondaries and other innovative um, tech schools that are emerging. The issue is we need to start scaling. We don't need a tech school and we have some existing tech schools or university campuses downtown. They're graduating hundreds of students. We need to be graduating thousands of students downtown and they, we need thousands of students living downtown. So this is what I wanna be a catalyst. Uh, and, and through this CLR that we just talked about, community revitalization levy, we're gonna fund some of that, the repurposing of that space so that we can also, it also helps us with our talent pool gap. Uh, particularly in the tech sector and STEM cycles. So, but it's a get encouraging and existing entities who have been creating an amazing tech ecosystem here, but there's been a lot of cross purpose even in that. I wanna be the mayor that pulls it all together. So we're driving in the same way, uh, but the jobs come from that as well, both the school aspect and really activating the tech sector. So, well, and, you and then there's infrastructure. So we've got a lot of plans to do a lot of building but we got to build the green line. We've got to do that efficiently and effectively, yep. make sure it's on time, on budget. I happen to have a track record of delivering infrastructure projects on time, on budget. So that's where also jobs are coming on. So that's actually the makeup of that 87. Perfect. Well, I guess you actually already sort of read my mind because the direction I wanted to go next was that tech campus that you had in mind for downtown Calgary. Yeah, yeah. And it is not new and it's not bringing something from outside. It's about working with who is already in the ecosystem, but how do we actually take it up another level? And I believe the city and the mayor has a role to play in that. And that's just about the scaling side of things you're talking about. It's all about scaling. Awesome. All right. Well, you also sort of alluded to this well earlier. You talked about how you want to only have run two terms as if you were successful in becoming yeah. mayor of Calgary. So what's the reason behind that? I have worked in complex organizations for many times, and this kind of work can wear on you. And I think you always need new energy coming in. 
again, right leader, right time. Personally, I may be divorced if I don't do just two terms. Two terms. It's a big commitment on my family. <laughs> I say that somewhat jokingly, but actually, I, I'm not saying that jokingly. It, um, it, it, but it, it. I think we need to really look at fixed terms, quite frankly, uh, and and because it's about always getting new energy and attracting new energy into these systems. One of the other reasons, there are many reasons, obviously, I've thrown my hat in the ring. You're starting to piece some of that puzzle together, Aaron, because it's a complex decision to make individually. But I want to make sure that I'm creating a wave behind me that people know that you can do this. Because it, 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 it's hard, but it's not impossible. And I want to make it easier for people who normally wouldn't think about politics and serving our public. And so I want to be that example, particularly for my gender, because we are underrepresented particularly in municipal politics. Yes, that is very true. I mean, I think off the top of my head, there's, there's a handful I can think of off the top of my head, but I mean, there's always, always room for more. So fingers crossed we do get that because I absolutely agree. We need the pop, a government should be representative of the people that it represents. And right now we don't really have that. There's a lot of people, frankly, that look like me in politics and we need a little less of me, I think. <laughs> so well, I think that's a various and you know no and I think I think that that I think many of us right have to kind of come to terms with this um I mean I'm playing obviously my gender card right now because we've not had a female mayor so uh, I want to make sure too that all females whether racialized or minority um cultures also see that possibility and I think part of my reckoning for myself is I've had the benefits and the privileges and it's time for me to stick my neck out so that's why I'm doing it Fair enough. So before we kind of get, wrap things up here, one thing I want to touch a little bit about is kind of everybody's uh, favorite evergreen subject, which is uh, Calgary Arena. That's something that's kind of been like the green line. It's always been in the news cycle. There's always something new. Um, it's kind of come out recently that the arena is going to be around $60 million over budget. Uh, there's a few changes that have been made, but they haven't really been made public in council yet, which is kind of odd. Um, and the August 1st construction date has kind of been put on the back burner. It might not even happen for that. And I know just speaking as an Edmontonian and not to rub it in flames fans, because I feel like I do that a little too much on this podcast, but I know what this arena has been doing for Edmonton. I'll admit I was a little bit of a skeptic at first. Having said that, I've seen the benefit that's coming out of it and we're still going, we still have ice district coming. So I guess if you're going into the mayor's role, how are you going to kind of work around that arena deal? Cause that's something that every Calgarian really cares about. Yeah. And I'm pro arena full stop. Uh, and I want to make sure that it's actually built according to its scope, which includes a vibrant streetscape in around it that actually, you know, you think of the Edmonton Ice District, that yep. in fact, we create a very vibrant streetscape that people want to stay downtown after the game, but also that we draw the kinds of attractions and it becomes another venue that draws people to the core. So it's part of that grander vision of revitalizing downtown and having a place that people are proud of, pride of place, uh, pulls people together. Um, I think we've got to also, though, and I think, again, it's one of the reasons um, under in my term as mayor, if I'm elected, uh, I will have the responsibility to lead the building of the, these sorts of big infrastructure. And that's why I think, too, um, you know, as people start to look into my background, appreciate that I've actually got a track record of building infrastructure projects. I know the questions to ask, right? I know the checks and balances that need to be in place. And, and I do think there is... Um, uh, um, uh, benefit to having a private-public partnership, but there also is always a higher standard when you have public dollars at stake. And so I want to make sure that we are protecting that public interest, but also getting the economic spin-offs that you're already starting to see in Edmonton. 
And we've got to be very focused on that because it's part of the grander scheme. Um, and, a, and a big struggle that every city is going to have to deal with, and especially Calgary with all the uh, infrastructure that's in the works or going to be coming is there have been a lot of changes that have been coming from the provincial government when it comes to uh, municipal funding, whether it be the changes yeah. to MSI, which is going to be LGFF um, operating budgets and other, or grants in place of taxes. Like there is a lot on the go that is impacting municipalities. So kind of the one question I've been asking every candidate is with that in mind, knowing that municipalities cannot run a deficit budget, what yeah. is your plan to make sure that Calgary always stays in the black? Yeah. Um... And it's, it's always getting a handle on all the, co the complexity of the finances. Um, yeah. We have reserves squirreled away all over the place. And in fact, we've actually got more reserves now post-COVID than we did going into this. So it's a question of, are we using those reserves um, to their best ability? And are we actually, is it, is it appropriate to be generating those, reserve, those reserves? Because they're done in very siloed ways. I think there is a whole almost life cycle look at our budgeting process to make sure that we've actually got the resources we also have to be on good terms with our other funding partners, the province, the federal government, because it's not helpful if they can pull funding on at any given time. No, no business could actually operate. So it's ensuring you've actually got that certainty in that cash flow, that you can also make the decisions. But back to the arena for a minute, you, you talked about the 60 million overrun. Part of that is not sure if it's an overrun, because I suspect it's actually a change in scope. But the public has to need to know that. Projects can increase in cost, if you are intentional about how you change scope because of either greater benefit or you've learned something in the process. This is where I think there's been not enough transparency in this arrangement. And, and I think a deal came to be uh, with this existing council. Uh, and you'll even remember that the numbers were changing around even time that deal. But interesting that we're starting to creep up to one of the original numbers that was out there. So I come back to, did we, you know, is the, is the scope nailed? And is there an actual functional plan in place that you can start to do the trade-offs? It always happens. In large infrastructure projects, you always have trade-offs because you learn things along the way. You can't possibly know everything as you go into a project, but you have to have some sufficient contingency to be able to make those trade-offs. And it may mean that you ratchet back some things. You've got to make sure you know why you're doing that and it doesn't interfere with the longer-term benefits of this particular kind of project. So... Long story short, to weave it all together, because I look at it holistically <laughs> that way, is we've actually got to get more transparency in the city budget, knowing what these funds are, how they're being generated, but how do we deploy them for the best return on capital for our public interest? I'm an economist. I understand these things, but I'm not sure others do. Well, and as far as I know, if it's still a go, there's going to be a council meeting on July 26th yes. dealing with the arena. So hopefully we get some more answers then, because I know this is something that a lot of people are looking at. Yeah. Um, they need to be asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of wrap things up. We've talked a lot about business. We've talked a lot about the economy, but I guess the one thing that we haven't really touched on is how do we make sure that families and individuals are still taken care of in all this? Because obviously we need to make sure that business and everything is taken care of, but at the same time, it's still people behind those businesses. It is, right? So it's ensuring that they can actually earn a really good quality of life, that we're getting barriers out of the way of people. Uh, it's, I'm very concerned coming out of COVID, I call it the shadow pandemic with mental health. I think we're all way more fragile than we think we are, right? There's a bit of bravado right now. Woohoo, we're getting back to opening up. Isn't this awesome? But not to dismiss the toll that has been taken on everybody, particularly the most marginal and have been working the front lines in our community. So we've got to ensure there's more resources. I want to build on uh, the mental health strategy in the city that's, that's, that's been started. 
some really great recommendations. Because I've got strong relationships, not-for-profit sector, I know the experts that work in this field. I want to make sure that our partnerships are tighter. We're getting the right expertise and people know how to access these services and we can build and rebuild the resilience of our citizens. And it's why I talk fundamentally, third pillar of my platform, Aaron, no Calgarian is left behind and people feel safe, seen and heard. And I want to make sure that it's all part in the puzzle, but you can't do that without the economics. And people have to have a way to productively earn a standard of living that they can support themselves and their families. And I'm a huge advocate for that. I'm an economist. I'm about productivity. I'm about gainful employment. That's what I focus on. Well, and I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up here. So yeah. Jan, that was fantastic. I appreciate you coming on. It was a great conversation. Um, thank you. Best of luck the rest of the way. And uh, I appreciate it, Aaron. And cheers. So thank you. Cheers. Permission to drink in the afternoon. Permission granted. <laughs> <laughs>